Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart, Mike and I are going to be celebrating our 100th podcast. Mike, that's a pretty big number. We're centurions now. <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe we've done 100 of these. I actually went back and decided to listen to our very first podcast. It was back on October 1st, 2018. Probably wasn't great. <laughs> it, it wasn't stellar. We didn't even have a name at the time. We called it this and that. It was interesting. We discussed it was more of a question and answer thing. We talked about how dividends work and how, you know, the pre-dividend date. We talked about the, at the time, the New Mexico-Canada trade agreement, which used to be NAFTA. And, and, you know, uh, with Trump in there, it was a little different. And we we were talking about uh, some of the clients that we had experienced who were spending money too early. You know, they had they had done really well, maybe in their 30s or 40s, and they had built up a nice nest egg. And before you know it, they stopped saving. Yeah, I remember the podcast was originally supposed to be our Tim Hortons discussions. Back when you're allowed to go to restaurants and eat in places, every lunch we'd go out for Tim Hortons. And during that, I think we only spent about 15 or 20 minutes each day, but it was nice. It was a break from the office. You can take a little walk, get a bit of an air, and sit down Tim Hortons. And for that 15 minutes, we'd sort of discuss what went on that week and any any situation with clients, any situations on the markets. And one day we thought this would actually be some interesting stuff to share with people. And that was the, I guess, the origination of the uh, podcast. So here's some interesting data on it. Our podcast has been downloaded about 11,000 times. So our different podcasts, our 100 different podcasts. So that's about an average of about 110 downloads per podcast. Uh, We've had some poor ones. We had one that was only 45 downloads. I blame that to the, uh, I think it was launched on July 26th or something like that. So it was probably right in the heat of the summer. The last thing people wanted to do was listen to us. Our very first podcast, has actually been downloaded 161 times, so that's a pretty good number. And in just the last month alone, we've done four podcasts and they've been downloaded 650 times, uh, which is about an average of 160. So our our listenership has has improved dramatically. And so thank you to our audience for uh, for clicking on uh, on the podcast and listening to us. Uh, we know uh, some of you listen to us every week, some of you, you know, once a month or, or whenever the subject line uh, strikes you as something that might be of interest. And speaking of interest, the most popular podcast we did of all was called Lessons Learned from 2000 to Present. So I thought that might be a good lead in, Mike, to talk about the crazy year that we've had in the last 12 months. 2020 and the beginning of 2021, it's been very difficult to describe. Everyone wants to know why everything's happening, what's happening, and all these different ideas behind it. And it's just been a roller coaster ride. And, you know, it, it's a surprise to us, a pleasant surprise on how well things actually turned out. You know, if we go back to March of 2020, I can remember it because I was, I think at that time, it was right around March break. So uh, everyone was doing things with their kids and a lot, a lot of vacations happening. And I think Carla was down in the Philippines. I think you were... Cu- I, I was in Hawaii. You were in Hawaii. <laughs> and I, w- I was in a car on the way to go to Tromblon for a ski weekend. And I remember having to apologize to the person who was driving because I spent the entire five-hour trip 
answering phone calls of people in absolute panics. And everyone was just asking what to do, what's happening, how this is going to all turn out, and trying to keep people in portfolios. The other thing that was going at the time, too, is when markets move like this, because we have a rebalancing strategy, it triggers the idea to rebalance. No one was too keen to jump in equities at that time. So rebalancing wasn't a simple conversation. Every time we wanted to rebalance a portfolio, uh, never mind just trying to keep them in the portfolio, trying to get them buy more equities was an uphill battle. But we went through it, you know? The speed of the drop was dramatic. It was it wasn't months. It was days and weeks where this, you know, at one point the global markets had lost a third of their value. They finished the end of March down about 25%, but they had lost a third of their value. And I remember I used to always, you know, I've told this to a lot of clients over the years, you know, if there's cars on the road, everything will be okay. Well, suddenly we went into the heavy-duty lockdown, yeah. <laughs> and there are no cars on the road anymore. <laughs> the roads were literally empty, and the animals started coming out onto the road. Yeah, it, you know, at the end of March, I believe the equity portfolios were down 25%. And, and that's hard to stomach. You know, you talk about these hits, and when you put it down in one of these finometrical questionnaires, what could you deal with as a drop? It's very difficult asking someone that question and seeing their million dollars go from a million dollars to $750,000 in the matter of seven to 12 days is a whole different story. It's a, it's an experience that people have to go through. And it's, it's a, it's a tough experience. I can, I can feel for what people, especially retired people, that this is their, what's going to provide income through the rest of their life and watch it dissipate like that is a tough experience. So here's some interesting, you know, results of that. And, you know, we did have a few clients that, so we look after about 650 households and we had, I think, three households that moved to cash. Now, they didn't stay in cash for long, but it was long enough that it did some damage. We had a couple of clients become more conservative, so they they wanted more fixed investments in their portfolio, but it was, you know, literally three clients that were, were in that group. And then I think we had three clients that didn't let us rebalance their accounts. And, and we knew from the past that those were never good moves. But when I, when I looked at the clients who made that decision, most of those individuals were clients that had not been with us for longer than five years. So it was often newer clients who weren't accustomed to our, our lessons that we've taught over the years. There's pre-2008 and post-2008, basically. Let's flip forward to 12 months later. We're looking at the end of March 2021, and we're looking at the 12-month numbers. And I, I started looking at them at the beginning of this week, and I was literally stunned that the numbers were as good as they were. The all-equity portfolio was up 54% in that 12-month period. So from March 31st of 2020 to March 31st, 2021, a 54% increase. That's a big number. Yeah. It, it's a weird number because when you look at the 12-month return, I always try to tell people, it's not really based on where the portfolio is now as much as where it was back in April. But that doesn't mean there isn't a huge lesson to be learned in here. Because the problem is if you if you did make wrong moves back last March and April, you would have missed out on that golden return. I mean, we don't see that. It, it's, what is it? The first, last time we saw that was when? Well, so I went back and did some research. This is the biggest all equity one year return on a global equity portfolio in history, 12 month period. 
The biggest before that was ending in September 1985. And, and just to put it in perspective, I was 24 years old at the time. Uh, I was actually working at the Bay as a regional manager, uh, and my department was ladies' lingerie. So that just to put that in perspective. I was in high school in New Jersey. <laughs> well, 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 there you go. And so the best return in that period was 44%. So we've topped that by, by 10%. It's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty impressive return. If you look at 54%, it's almost like five years worth of equity returns in one 12-month period if you missed it. Yeah. I, the, the key is don't miss it. And, you know, it wasn't expected. No one could have possibly predicted this recovery. I personally thought this was going to be at least a year to two years. And it happened uh, instantaneously or but as close to it as you could. By the summer, things were back to, to even. And, and, you know, by the, by the end of the year, we finished with positive returns in 2020. So let's look at who should we congratulate? Let's talk, you know, first of all, I think the most important people in the room are, are the clients. Yeah, I got to say, I, I'm so thankful for our clients. Our clients have become, we went through corrections back in the year 99, 2000. It was a horrible experience. And I think we were younger back then. Clients weren't that used to the markets and they weren't very patient. And a lot of it was taken out on us. Number one, clients listen to us now which is fantastic. They understand how the markets work. They educate themselves. They're just better investors. When I talked to clients, I didn't get a panic from 99% of the clients I talked to said, well, the market's fall. We can't do anything now. We might as well wait this out. They didn't expect the quick results they got, but they all had the right concept as what to do. And they got rewarded. You know, good things happen to those who wait. So, you know, if I look at some of the, the lessons that we learned in that, in this past 12 month period because it's it's certainly in my career the craziest 12 month period we've ever experienced number one and it's always this just stick with the plan stick with the strategy that you have don't deviate don't deviate one little bit it's such a simple thing you never change your portfolio according to outside circumstances you should only change your portfolio if your situation changes it's the number one rule of investing don't worry about what's going on in the world. Worry about what's going on in your own personal world. So stick with the strategy. Number two is rebalance. And that works on both sides. So today in April of 2021, we're asking clients to actually take some profits from the equities and put it into fixed income. And that's hard to do because fixed income doesn't have a bright future right now because cash returns are really low. But we know you need to take those profits and put them back into fixed income. Otherwise, the market's going to take those profits away from you. And you might have to pay some tax on it. 12 months ago, that rebalance was the complete opposite. We had to, again, sell high, sell from the bonds that had done pretty well and buy into stuff that was on sale. But it looked, it looked scarier. It doesn't look like it's on sale. Yeah. Right? It, it looks like, you know, it... it if you're buying groceries, it's that rack with everything that's that's starting to slightly mold. <laughs> and no one wants to, to buy that for, for their, you know, their evening groceries unless they absolutely have to. But that's what we need people to do. I think another lesson would be if you can, if you have money, put it in. There's no better time. You know what I missed this year? 
one of our clients, you know who he is. He passed away in the last year. He was always our sign at the bottom of the market. I could call, he'd go, hey, Mikey, right? And he'd come in with a check because, and he, unfortunately, he passed away about a year and a half ago before this happened. But he would always be our sign because he would always invest when the markets turn. He'd come with a big smile on his face. He'd go into his bank account and say, it's time to invest. And uh, it was, he was a great investor. He knew it. He knew it. That's for sure. You know, try and have a strategy that forces you to buy low. And I, I think the, the other, and this is probably one of the most important lessons, is the world is not ending. We all are going to, you know, not everyone's going to make it through this. We know that there's a ton of COVID deaths, and I can't downplay that. And people that have been affected with, you know, just even recovering from COVID is, has been severe. But, you know, 97%, 98% of the world's population will make it through this pandemic. And the world will continue to survive. You got to remember what people don't realize is, and this is unfortunate in a, in a small piece, but a lot of the money that goes to the mom and pop shops that, that have, been, that let's say we don't own, that are owned by private individuals, has now moved to the big retailers. So, and we own them. We own the Costco's, we own the Walmart. So as all these profits have moved into these big retailers, they're gonna make money off that and we own that part of the marketplace. We own Amazon, we own Walmart. We own, so it's really moved from outside to in people's portfolio and they're seeing the performance from it. Yeah. So there's been some other anomalies. Why don't you touch on those, you know, uh, some crazy numbers. So things that we have been waiting for Let's start with number one. We're a value-based manager, and we've went through some frustration over the last few years. And we finally had a situation where value has started to outperform growth, which is always what we look at as sensible investing, and things started to make a bit more sense. If you buy a company that's cheap, it began to start to pay off. We also found small caps outperform large caps. And value versus growth wasn't a big change, but small cap for large cap was a big deal. We saw globally... Small caps were up 61% versus large cap up 32%. That's a big differential in there. And we, we've we been waiting for this reward for a long time now. Even Canada, it didn't outperform by a long shot, but Canada even outperformed the U.S. by a bit. And again, that's something that we've been waiting for. And the patience has finally come and paid off a bit. Even global bonds, you know, we look at the global bond returns. They weren't bad last year. Global bonds end up giving a 6% rate of return. In all this mess, you saw that much of a return on bonds. And this is, if you went the year before, everyone told you there's no way you'll see any return on bonds whatsoever. And again, we saw a decent return on the bond side. Real estate, we thought real estate was dead with all this. It even came back 20%. So that was strong. We use a fund called the DFA Canadian Vector. We took a lot of abuse for the year before. I had one or two people that kept on looking at the individual performance of that fund and were demanding we come up with some type of solution for that. I think they made you get out of it, didn't they? Yeah, one made me get out of it and buy an ETF. The reality was the Canadian Vector Fund was up 69% one year return. That's unreal off of, of a fund. you know. And you wait for those times. It's hard to explain that these things are going to come. But patience, I always say from investing, we, always, we know what is going to happen in the marketplace, but we don't know how long it's going to take. And the patience is the real factor in there. And that's where, again, we go to congratulating our clients because the ones who were patient got rewarded. And what about cash? cash How would earned, that have worked out? Cash earned 0.23%. And 
trust me, inflation is not that low. And you had to work pretty hard to find that 0.23%. Most savings accounts were paying you zero. So I thought it might be interesting, you know, to talk about our next 100 podcasts. We've got a few new exciting things that uh, we're planning for the next, certainly the next 52. We're going to start interviewing some other financial advisors from different firms, uh, different provinces across the country to bring their perspective on investing and what they think about it and how they might be able to help our clients. We're going to start an online blog so those who don't like to listen to you and I talking, they can read our blog and contribute to it. We're going to uh, interview some industry experts just like we did uh, this past year where we, you know, we brought in Dr. Riley Moynes and, and interviewed him. And we're also going to, we're going to open a, spot, a Shopify account and create an online store and we're gonna have some some fun prizes, some ball caps, some it's be swag. Some swag. <laughs> some swag. We'll have some ball caps, some some maybe some Yeti mugs that we can give away to our, our listeners, uh, especially when they give us some kudos or, or send us some great questions. So it, I'm looking forward to the next fifty two and then certainly the next hundred. So I think that's good for today. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.